Today is Monday, January 16th, 2023. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. A deadly plane crash claims at least 68 lives. We'll have that top story and more on today's podcast. We're bringing news from a Christian perspective. Let's get through the news of the cray together. Subscribe, leave a rating, share it with a friend. Joining me as always to get through that crazy news, Billy Hallowell, Trigons Phillips on this Monday. Happy Monday, guys. What's going on? Well, I'm caffeinated and contented drinking go. my cup of joe. What what number cup are we on here today? Well, it's only What's number one right now. Okay. It's oh, only boy. number one. Uh-oh. Yeah. Half I'm energy trailing. Billy. Yeah. Well, I'd say like third energy. Usually you're on like three or four by now. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, okay. I'm actually failing. Right. I'm just too lazy far to go behind. Get <laughs> has it been Has it been like bizarrely warm for y'all this winter? Uh, yeah, where I you don't are. like it. Yeah, I mean, it's not like insanely warm, but I'd say a few degrees up from normal. Like we're oh. in the, we're in the high thirties. Oh uh, yeah, Philly. see, in I'm in Central Virginia. We're in the sixties. Oh well, yeah, no, I'm not a fan of this. I don't like it. I can't. <laughs> Wait, you don't like warm weather in the winter, Billy? Or what do you what do you mean? I, I hate warm weather in the winter, and really? I specifically hate dreary, rainy weather every day. Right. Yeah, it's also warm in the winter. Well, that I don't yeah. like. But the right. but see, I do like the warm weather because I I think cold weather is demonic i mean i feel like i i question anyone who adores cold weather i bring on the snow dan bring look, on the snow uh, i, I, I understand my no, kids. no see trey, trey i know you like snow that's different like okay i get it the snow is pretty but like if you just like hey it's six out today this is great well, I, I don't want six but right. maybe a little bit cooler than 60 it's spring yeah i'm not here for it now nah, see I, this might trigger some but bring on the global warming just saying oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, with that, let's move on.com. Uh, what, what are we covering on the uh, pod today, fellas? Uh, we're going to be talking about Nigeria, another horrific story to come out of that country. So we'd be breaking that down. All right, looking forward to the details on that. Also, we've got um, talking to the ADF on the main thing about the new pro life bills that are going to be voted on by the new Congress, uh, why we should still and are still doing the March for Life and a whole host of life issues there coming up with Madison Seals on the main thing. But first, we're going to get through the news here in 90 seconds. And the black box recording devices were found earlier today after a deadly plane crash in Nepal that killed 68 of 72 people on board. The Yeti Airlines flight crash has Nepal in a national day of mourning as rescue workers are still working to recover the bodies. A new MLK statue has caused quite a stir on social media. The statue is in Boston and purports to to depict MLK and Coretta Scott King embracing, but it doesn't have their heads. It's just the arms, and it looks like to some people, well, to put it plainly, something else. And Seneca Scott, Coretta's cousin, told media yesterday that the $10 million piece was an outrage. And that, quote, if you had showed that statue to anyone in the hood, they'd have been like, no, absolutely not. And a pastor was on Russia's kill list, but miraculously survived. Why he's saying the Ukrainian people still need your prayers. You can read about that story and more over at CBNNews.com. A lot going on, guys. Um, This MLK statue, obviously, we're in that time of MLK Day range. So what'd you guys make of the statue? I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't have a lot to say about it outside of what in the world. I mean, it's just, you would think that if you're going to unveil something that is worth that much money and cost that much effort to do, 
that you'd make sure the family, everybody is on board yeah. with it and thinks that it, that it looks nice. Yeah. It, I, it's just an odd statue to me. I, when you, there's only one angle that you can look at it from where it looks kind of like, Oh, I could understand. Like, yeah, like I see what this is supposed to be. Any other side that you look at, and it's circular essentially. So any other side you're looking at it from, it just looks bizarre and doesn't yeah. make any sense. You can't really tell exactly what it is. And I, I just don't think it's a well-done sculpture no. at all, it, particularly it, for somebody who's supposed to be getting such honor and reverence on MLK Day in particular, right. obviously, but throughout the year. And it's just, it, it, it's it, not, it's ugly. Yeah, <laughs> it feels like, well, the, without the heads, it's just so, like, it's at first, weird, I didn't creepy. know what I was looking at. Like, without knowing what they were trying to do, I had no yeah. idea what was going on. I just saw two hands and, you know... You didn't know that was an arm, the other thing. So it's not, it, it just feels like when artists go, they're trying to impress their artist friends a little too much. And I feel like this to be is too minimalism artsy. run amok. Yeah. I mean, removing the heads from anything often is not a good idea. It's just weird. And, and who are we talking about? Like, what, wouldn't you want to see the person that you're right. revealing? Like, you want to see their likeness. I, I don't. Right. I mean, it's it, let's just face it; it's not a pretty looking statue. No, it's or, not, or whatever you call it. But uh, ten million dollars for it, though, and uh, there you go. Um, also, too, I wanted to, I just wanted to mention this plane crash that I that I had talked about at the uh, top of the news stories there. And there's one harrowing video going around online where um, uh, I think TMZ posted it there was just somebody live streaming or something before it crashed. And so you can't really see anything of the actual crash. It's just, it's just eerie watching someone there. There's no panic. The flight's just going and approaching into the airport and everything seems completely fine one moment. And then the next moment it's just in an instant and the plane takes a dive and, uh, and then it's all over. And I mean, it just makes me think once again that fragility of life, guys. You do not know when your last moment is. You you just don't know. And I, this is a weird thing for me. Maybe I'm alone on this, but I'm every takeoff and landing on a plane. I'm I'm in full prayer mode because I I, I know most of the flights make it, but there's just times that this happens, you know. And so you don't know. You don't know if it's going to be your last moment, but. Um, it does make me think of how fragile life is and that we don't know what our last moment is. Yeah. I mean, even getting in a car, right? Yeah. I mean, you have a much higher chance getting in sure. a car, but we don't often think about that because I think planes are scarier, let's be honest. Yeah. Right? You're going up 30,000 feet in the air. Yeah, you can but, survive you know, a plane, a car crash if you're going slower a lot easier than you can. A plane crash dropping from the sky a lot more difficult to survive. It is crazy to think. I, it's a kind of a humbling experience, right? Whenever you're flying or if you're going on a boat, or whatever it is, because... It's like, how is this even possible yeah. <laughs> that we're able to do this? And then all of the things <laughs> that could potentially go wrong. So I think it is a good reminder. You know, if you're somebody who f who flies frequently for work or whatever it is, it's a good reminder to be prayerful because you do realize how fragile life is when you're in a situation like that. And most, like nine times out of 10, it ends up being completely fine. Yeah. But it's still a great reminder to be prayerful, right? To, yeah. To be grateful for the life that you have. Sure. Absolutely. And and we should be praying for those families that uh, you know lost yeah, uh, loved ones there. I mean, that's a terrible situation there. So, um, all right. Well, let's head into our next story here. And another area where we should be praying for as well, and that is Nigeria. Once again, in the headlines, 
for another horrific attack on Christians. So what happened here? Yeah, I mean, it's just these stories just keep coming and coming from Nigeria. This one is a Catholic priest on Sunday morning around 3 a.m. was reportedly um, attacked. He was burned to death inside a church rectory where he lives. His name is Reverend Isaac Aki, um, and he served with the St. Peter and Paul Catholic Church. And he was essentially, again, burned to death in his living quarters. There was another priest, the Reverend Collins Ome, who apparently escaped the building but was allegedly shot in the shoulder. They do not know who did this yet. They're on the search. They're on the prowl to find those responsible. But these extremist attacks continue to happen against Christians. This most likely, from what we're assuming, was a, you know, a pointed attack against this priest because of his faith. And uh, that other priest, um, Reverend Omey, he was actually taken to a hospital apparently um, afterward. And, and as far as we know, he has survived that horrific incident. Again, this happened Sunday morning and really just shocking people. Although, again, I mean, we're seeing these events almost like weekly now in Nigeria. Yeah, unfortunately, becoming a little bit too routine. Are police and officials saying anything? If so, what are they saying? They are. And I want to remind people, Nigeria is overwhelmingly a, a Christian country in terms yeah. of, I mean, there are so many pockets that are Christian. Um, but yes, the, the police have spoken out. There was a statement um, that was put out that basically said the bandits attempted to gain entrance to the residence. They found it difficult to do that. And that's when they decided to set the house on fire. And um, they then, the police sent a tactical team out to where this happened. But it was, you know, it was apparently too late and they actually said in the statement unfortunately those people had quote completed their evil acts and escaped mm -hmm. and we're also seeing the governor um, of the state where this unfolded in nigeria coming out and saying this is a sad moment um so we're seeing politicians say that he said it's a sad moment for a priest to be killed in such a manner um and then you know he basically said that these terrorists have lost it and drastic action is needed to end this ongoing carnage mm. What are uh, you mentioned some of that this is becoming frequent and we're seeing this a lot. What are what are some of the other events we're seeing against Christians like this lately? Yeah, yeah, I mean it's it's almost endless, but in November we saw two different groups of people, one with uh, 23 people on a way to a wedding, another was a bus of 48 people traveling to a funeral, um abducted, captured um by Fulani herdsmen. That's a, a group that is an extremist group there in Nigeria. The biggest case, this really started, this didn't start last year, but I think the international community started finding out about this after a Muslim mob attacked a college student, if you'll remember, 25-year-old Christian college student and stoned her to death. Um, her name was Deborah Yakubu, and she was killed last um, May, and that really shocked the world. So this has been kind of getting on everyone's attention um, because of that. There was a pastor who was abducted and his wife was injured back in September. I mean, we could go on and on. We have a whole list over at, at Faithwire where you can kind of read through each of these. There was a Christian woman murdered while cleaning her church back in August. She was just sweeping and cleaning and um, was shot and killed by, again, suspected Fulani herdsmen. So a really just tragic attack after attack. Yeah, yeah, really tragic indeed. So, you know, what... what when you look at this, what do you want people to take away from this um, story as we're, you know, as we're spending time covering it? 
I think the big thing for us is, you know, we can we can read all about these things and talk about them and get all ginned up and fearful and upset, which we should, you know, have those emotions, but we need to turn that into prayer, right? Nigeria, according to the 2022 World Watch List, and there will be a new World Watch List actually coming out this week, um, but it's the seventh most dangerous place to live in the world as a Christian. So we need to be praying for Nigeria, for the leaders there, for the police, and for these terrorists, for for changed hearts and changed minds. Mm, absolutely. We'll be definitely praying there, adding it to the list. Thanks, as always, for bringing that one, Billy. Appreciate it. We're going to head over to the main thing now. And um, yes, Roe v. Wade has been uh, overturned by the Supreme Court, but there are still pro-life battles going on. While CBN's Madison Seals caught up with Denise Harley with the ADF to talk about some of the first pro-life bills that are going to be voted on by the new Congress, the ADF's lawsuit against the FDA and mail order abortion drugs, and about the upcoming March for Life and why we're still marching. That and more on today's Main Thing. Last Wednesday, the 118th U.S. House of Representatives passed a bill which mandates life-saving measures for babies that are born alive after an abortion, and another bill condemning the recent attacks on pro-life facilities, groups, and churches, which are definitely two big reasons to celebrate in the pro-life fight. But as thousands prepare to march in the 50th annual March for Life in the nation's capital this Friday, it's a reminder that there's still work to be done. More than 200 House Democrats voted against babies being given medical care when they're unintentionally born alive. Today, I'm joined by Denise Harley, Senior Counsel with Alliance Defending Freedom and Director of the Center for Life, to talk about why thousands are marching this week. Denise, thanks for joining me. Thanks so much. Happy to be talking with you. So Alliance Defending Freedom played a huge role in helping Mississippi draft the 15-week pro-life law that eventually led to Roe v. Wade being overturned and sent back to the states. And currently, you're defending pro-life laws in 12 of those states. Can you talk briefly about how the fight for life and your work has changed post-Roe? Yes, it's been a huge change. Um, The Supreme Court's decision in Dobbs was a tremendous victory for unborn children and their moms. Um, And states now have the ability to affirm that life is a human right and ensure that women have real support. And many states were ready to do so. They've been waiting for this day, just like all of the people who are marching and standing for life this week. Um, So we immediately saw last June lots of states putting back into place their laws that they've been wanting to use for decades now, but have been blocked by Roe. Um, So we also saw litigation over those laws, but um, it's really exciting to look at the map and realize how many states are abortion-free right now. And that is something to celebrate. It's so encouraging to see progress being made in so many states. And yet even in states that passed pro-life legislation, there's still a dangerous push to ensure women can still get abortions, even if it's done in secret. Recently, ADF filed a lawsuit against the FDA for approving mail-order chemical abortion drugs. What are the dangers pointed out in this lawsuit? Chemical abortion is so dangerous. Uh, Besides the fact that every abortion takes an innocent human life, um, and that's the only point of it, chemical abortion drugs have been shown to harm women and girls at a rate of maybe even four to five times surgical abortion. The FDA's history on this is horrifying. Back in 2000, when the FDA approved chemical abortion drugs, it did it through um, an unlawful process. It could only do so by categorizing pregnancy as an illness. And then it failed to require the 
safety tests that are required for any other drug to go on the market, including failing to test how the drugs would affect adolescents, which obviously these can have significant effects given the hormones involved and the physical dangers. So we and our clients, which are pro-life um, scientific experts, medical professionals, petitioned the FDA many, many years ago. And the FDA sat on our, our complaints and our challenges for a total of 16 years. Um, meanwhile, the FDA continued loosening the regulations in recent years now so that um, women don't even need to be seen by a doctor um, to assess their you know, whether they have an ectopic pregnancy or how far along in pregnancy they are. Um, now, and even just last week, the FDA administration did it again under the Biden administration and said that now women can simply just pick them up from their retail pharmacy. So our complaint is based on the, the fact that it was unlawful from the beginning. These dangerous drugs were let onto the market and have been harming women and their babies for a couple decades now and well past time to put a stop to that. The whole purpose of the FDA is supposed to be to advance and protect public health. And instead it's turned into a, a political operative on the issue of abortion. Right. I mentioned the first pro-life bills of the 118th Congress being voted on last week. How significant are those rulings? Those are wonderful indications of what our elected lawmakers believe and care about. So for example, the Born Alive Infant Protection Act um, simply says that newborn babies are entitled to the same medical care, even if they were born through the process of an attempted abortion. They are, are human beings that are living and, and should be treated just the same as any other infant who would get life-saving medical care and a NICU or whatever else is required. That should be completely uncontroversial. Roe itself put America in one of only six nations in the world who allowed abortion up to the moment of birth. So that is extreme enough. But the idea that after birth, if an abortion is evolved, the baby could still be essentially killed through negligence is unbelievable. That should be in a unanimous bill um, but instead, it was passed with, unfortunately, a pretty narrow majority. The other law recognizes the great work of pregnancy care centers who come alongside moms in need and help them welcome their babies into the world. They provide spiritual, material, resources, what, any, everything from formula and diapers to car seats and um, peer support groups, parenting classes. I could go on forever. These centers, which are nonprofit, they do all their services for free and help tens of thousands of women across America during difficult pregnancies. They have been under attack. In the news, I think probably most of the folks listening have, have heard about these violent attacks, firebombing, vandalism against pregnancy care centers, which are simply charities that just want to love moms and support them in a difficult time. And those attacks have gone essentially unanswered, uninvestigated, um, no punishment that I'm aware of for any of the attackers. And so the resolution from the House of Representatives is an acknowledgement that violence is completely inappropriate and that these places are the places we should all be cheering for in a post-Roe America. Right. And we need to keep that in mind as tens of thousands are preparing to march for life around the country this week. Why should we be encouraged to keep marching now more than ever? Yes. Well, you know, one of the one of the lies from the other side has always been that those of us who oppose abortion um, really are just about wanting births, but but not really there beyond that. Um, so this is our opportunity to show 
that we've been ready for this day. We are the ones, the, the marchers, we're the same people who have set up nearly 4,000 pregnancy centers across the United States who completely for free um, welcome any woman into their door who is potentially pregnant, is pregnant, or even someone who's already chosen abortion in the past. We've been the ones who have been donating cars and car seats and baby clothes and baby blankets and helping the moms navigate motherhood um, or, or whatever it is they need, getting rides to doctor's appointments. The pro-life movement is the one who's been positively, joyfully, hopefully marching for the day when we can help women even more. Um, and we have a, lo a long way to go because the goal is for abortion to be completely unthinkable. Um, and unfortunately, because of that 1973 ruling by seven men on the United States Supreme Court in Roe, our nation has been almost brainwashed into, uh, you know, thinking that abortion should be tolerated. But mm -hmm. abortion has no place in a civilized society. And I'm praying and we're marching so that people are resensitized to the fact that life is a human right and everyone is deserving of protection and worthy of life, no matter how small they are and no matter how long they've been alive. So we are standing for that and we'll keep doing it until the day that there are no more abortions. Yes, amen to that. And we at CBN will be marching with you. So that's exciting. We're looking forward to that this week. And Denise with Alliance Defending Freedom, thanks for all you do in the fight for life and liberty and for coming on the podcast today. Oh, thanks so much for all you do too. Always love talking with you guys. All right, Madison, thanks so much for that conversation. That leaves us with time for one last thing. And we are going to take a look at Matthew 11 and verse 28. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And I, I just love that verse. It's so um, sort of countercultural to a lot of um, I mean, look, God is just, his um, depths are limitless. We'll never be able to even search them. And so you look at something about Jesus being described as gentle and lowly in heart. It's just such an interesting verse and, you know, another side of God that you don't always focus on. You know, we focus on his just supremacy and um, just his power and and his sovereignty and all that stuff. And then yet you see verses like this and it's it's very comforting. Yeah, especially in light of how chaotic and crazy the world is and how much fear there is and how much people are struggling, that remembrance that you can have a relationship with a God who cares and that has compassion and loves you, despite having all those other qualities you mentioned, right, that yeah. we can have that real, which, which is what makes a good parent to begin with, right? There's strictness and then there's that love and tenderness. It's mm -hmm. a good mix. Yeah. And I think the fact that we're, you know, we're tethered to this world and time and space of this world and all of the uncertainty of this life, but the Lord operates outside of all of that, right? Time is nothing to him. Space is nothing to him. Uh, he's seen the beginning all the way to the end, and he's orchestrated every piece in between. Uh, so to know that there is that holy certainty in the midst of our fallible uncertainty is, is such, a, such an anchor for the soul, I think. Yeah, absolutely. All right, good place to leave it there on this Monday. Hopefully, Billy, you get a few more uh, cups of uh, caffeine in there you know get up to your normal levels 
But uh, and the same for you all as well out there. And uh, Lord willing, that creek don't rise. We're going to be back here tomorrow with more news from a Christian perspective. As always, head on over to cbnnews.com and faithwire.com for more. God bless. We will see you back here tomorrow. Have a great day.